Fresh Art International presents conversations about creativity in the 21st century. This is Fresh Art. I'm Kathy Bird. Our podcast explores the world through the lens of today's art, film, and architecture. We're based in Miami Beach, winter home of the renowned Art Basel Art Fair. Since 2013, we've been sharing stories about Miami's year-round art scene. Oppressive summer heat does not discourage the creative community. One hot day this July, locals launched an inventive public art initiative. Over the span of four months, the commuter biennial aims to activate unseen margins of the suburban landscape. By day, Laura Randall is associate registrar for the Rubel Collection, a contemporary art museum in Miami. By night, she's a curator, working with assistant curator Courtney Levine and a small group of artists to create art experiences for those who spend hours navigating the city in cars, buses, and trains. Two of the participating artists join Randall and Levine to introduce the commuter biennial. The idea was well, I'm commuting over an hour to work at this fabulous international art institution, but on the drive home, I felt like my cultural experience suddenly dropped off as soon as I got to Palmetto Bay. And I wanted to find ways to activate suburban spaces in the same way that you could find so much in the center of the city. What motivated you to select the spaces in the city that you chose So the first motivation was, what are the suburban areas with the most people? And I found Homestead was a great place ripe for activation. I also thought Palmetto Bay, Hialeah Gardens, Miami Gardens, like where do the people actually live? So there's Homestead, where we have an artist named Juan Landaverde, who is based in Homestead. And he is building sculptural works there that are land-based art. Then we have Terrence Price, who's in Miami Gardens, and he is activating bus shelters with his photography. We also have Michelle Lisa Poulissant, who is another photography-based artist who is activating bus shelters in Goulds. We have Lily activating both the hammocks, which is unincorporated Miami-Dade, and Hialeah Gardens. And then we have Marie Lorenz. And then our big site in October is actually Blue Lagoon. So it's this big retention pond next to the airport. And you wouldn't think twice about it driving by. People always think about Biscayne Bay. And I'm like, there's these other amazing lakes that we need to activate. So that is one of the big ones. And that will be in October with David Brooks. This piece is going to be monumental enough for them to notice it? We think so. They can't miss it because over 100,000 cars pass there every day. He's building a large sculpture for the spot. Floating in the man-made body of water next to Miami International Airport, David Brooks's house-sized sculpture 
is the antithesis of the surrounded islands that Christo conjured in Biscayne Bay in 1983. The New York-based artist's project sees the future of a city that keeps growing despite sea level rise. Passers-by will witness the impossible, a pod of bigger-than-life sailfish leaping through the frame of a mansion under construction. Artist Lily Martina Lee lives and works in Boise, Idaho. Lee's art juxtaposes intimacy and anonymity, pointing out how forensic crime scene investigations have become embedded in our everyday reality. For the commuter biennial, she creates public memorials in locations throughout Miami-Dade County where unidentified human remains have been found. Some of my earlier work was with automobiles. In that series, I was looking at most wanted listings and incorporating the tattoo descriptions and kind of using automobile products and decor to mimic the identity. So now I'm looking at unidentified remains. My methodology is similar looking at these databases for individuals, but I, in my cases here, I'll be focusing on bodies that were found and have still not been identified. There are over 200 in Miami-Dade County, so I'm excited to work with some of those and activate the spaces where they were found. Do you feel a little sad about this? Or do you feel like you're recognizing a loss that a lot of people didn't notice? I find that with art, anytime you're doing representation, looking at the human form, especially specific individuals, you are objectifying them. And so I try to work with these databases where the detectives through the forensic process have already objectified them. And then I'm trying to, with my artwork, kind of give them back some of their human identity, looking at details like clothing or tattoos or just physical marks and traits on the bodies, dental condition, things like that, and then think about what kind of life they might have had. So it's, it's this reverse process from the typical ways that we represent people and bodies in artwork. So how would this look? My projects for the commuter biennial are abstract. I have steel armatures, and then um, I am making pieces using a pleating machine to manipulate plastic tablecloths to look like coffin liners. So it's kind of conflating the idea of the coffin liner versus that kind of disposable body bag where it's just about preserving evidence. So I'm mixing the two, but then working with colors specific to the case. So what kind of clothing or material was found around the body? How many cases are you going to represent? I have two completed, and then I'm hoping to explore a third one while I'm here. What's the takeaway for people that find this work on their way home? My hope is that it will reactivate memories of these cases. So one is from 1998 and one is from 1981. So I'm really hoping that some long-term locals see these and remember these and think, you know, yeah, I remember seeing that on the news or I remember hearing about that. And it kind of um, spurs their memory and they, they think about, wow, a lot of time has passed. I, I didn't realize that person was still unidentified. 
Have you done this before, this particular project? I've worked with similar subject matter, but no, I haven't been able to do site-specific projects before where I'm actually working where the bodies were found. Are you going to have like a marker at the place that tells as much of the story as you know? You're creating a narrative around it? We do want to have some information available for the public. So we want to help connect the public to these things. How much information? I'm still deciding. I think it speaks a lot to the human condition, thinking that there are that many people out there who have that anonymous of existences that they could die and and nobody would know, nobody would recognize a keychain or realize, you know, that their their vehicles abandoned. I mean, it just it's still I guess that's what keeps me curious about it as an artist is that I still don't quite grasp that. I was thinking it would be really bizarre if by what you chose to represent that someone actually identified that person. If my one of my pieces could actually solve a cold case, that would be the pinnacle, you know, I, I would be very excited about that. I'm super excited about Lily's work in particular, being a little bit of a true crime junkie myself. There's this component of Lily's work that brings this sort of element of true crime curiosity that's become, in the last decade in particular, kind of a cultural leviathan of its own, and this interest in this thing, and her making these works that bring attention to things and people and their stories that have otherwise been forgotten, while we explore communities that are often overlooked or at times forgotten. I just think it's so poignant, and it's also exciting for those of us that like want to uncover the mystery and get to the bottom of things. So you're satisfying a lot of, a lot of different parts of my brain that I'm always seeking to activate, and I I think that it's something that we don't see a lot of in contemporary art. Since 2005, New York-based artist Marie Lawrence has navigated waterways in her handmade boats designed to optimize tidal currents. Her passengers are privileged with intimate experiences on the water. For the commuter biennial, she brings her tide and current taxi to Miami. We'll soon meet to explore the canals near my studio. I asked the artist and Courtney Levine what to expect from the ride. In Miami, you have to look forward to being very warm and being out on the water for a couple hours in the waterways that surround Miami. So far, we've sort of explored the bay around the Fountainhead Residency, and we've been up the Little River and up the Little River Canal in some really interesting areas. We still have a couple other areas that we want to explore. Tell me why you're doing this project. Well, the project that I do in New York started in 2005, Originally, it was sort of about public space and using the, the waterways around New York to, I don't know, get people thinking about all of this open space, this huge park, basically, that exists in New York that nobody takes advantage of. The premise of the project is, in New York, is that you tell me a place that you want to go in New York, and I tell you when we can get there using the tidal current. And in Miami, it's a little different because the tidal current isn't, I mean, New York is like really unique. There's a huge amount of current in the rivers. It's the meeting of the Hudson River, which is tidal, the East River, which is actually a tidal strait that empties out the Long Island Sound, and then the Bay, which is a tidal estuary. And so all of those factors have a tremendous amount of force that are sort of moving around Manhattan. 
And in Miami, it's very different. There's not that same interplay of, of tidal forces. The thing that I want to look at in Miami is sort of what the tide reveals. Like when Courtney and I were out in the boat the other day, we saw dolphins feeding at the mouth of the little river. And I think that was because as the tide changes, they have sort of different feeding opportunities. Different fish are present. They had chased the school of fish up into the river. So we saw this like big school of fish go by and then we could see these dolphins jumping. And it was like, oh my God, it's, it's because the tide is switching around right now. It felt like the tide was revealing this sort of natural food chain that was happening right in this area that big houses and fancy boats. And there was actually all this other stuff that was happening underneath the water. And I think we could discover some really interesting things looking at these pumps that are about saving Miami Beach from a king tide or a high tide. Looking at what tide reveals is the theme for what the Miami Tide and Current Taxi will be about. Certainly lower tides reveal a whole lot more about what kinds of debris and things that have accumulated. And there are all sorts of unexpected human and man-made components, as well as the things that are being dictated about how the ecosystem works here. So the interplay of those things, I think, is is one of the things that made us so interested in having somebody like Marie come down here, because Miami and South Florida in general is this massive network of canals and waterways that have previously been used for transportation of people, of goods, of construction materials, and that most of us in a recreational way or as commuters aren't using the waterways as our source of commuting and the taxi component, the ferrying component, you're getting a different vantage point on how people are traveling and transversing throughout their daily lives. And you're seeing it from a different perspective that really gives you a fuller, more nuanced picture of all of the different things that are happening around us here in South Florida, especially along all these waterways. And there's so much history around those that were here first in the natural capacity and man-made waterways. And it's, it's really, it's an intricate system and how some of those waterways end up bisecting certain communities and demographics. And Marie's interactive experience in taking us on the boat gives us a really beautiful way to experience that. We'll be archiving as much of it as we can. We'll be putting together a really in-depth catalog about all of the projects in the commuter biennial, as well as a capstone video that highlights some of the things and some of the video footage that we've been getting and that Marie has gotten uh, over the last few days is really compelling and gives you a really interesting sort of peek underneath the inner workings of Miami's canal system that I think most of us either don't get to see or don't often pay attention to. This is the Fresh Art Podcast. I'm Kathy Bird. Optimistic about the potential for art to transform the grind of suburban life, the tedium of public transit, and the boring daily drive, the commuter biennial aspires to draw our gaze from the center to the fringe, suggesting that art belongs to everyone, everywhere, across metropolitan Miami. Visit our website to learn more about the exhibition and hear other episodes featuring public art. Please take a few minutes to review Fresh Art International on Apple Podcasts. 
and follow us on Instagram at freshartintl. The John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, Emily Hall Tremaine Foundation, Locust Projects, and the Andy Warhol Foundation for the Visual Arts, the International Association of Curators of Contemporary Art, and listeners like you make this project possible. On freshartinternational.com, sign up to receive our latest news and give a donation to support these stories. Stay tuned for more contemporary art talk.